Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mystery on the rocks. Oh, yeah. Mystery on. The rocks, yeah. Mystery on the rocks, yeah. And welcome to another episode of this special series of Mystery on the Rocks, the show where we take cocktails and unsolved mysteries, we jam them together, shake them up, uh, I got distracted out the window and I couldn't finish the sentence. It's a podcast. Listen to it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought hello. I thought Zoom had frozen. Oh, really? Because I, yeah. I sort of, somebody walked outside the window and this is the, the not the benefits, but the downside of doing something in my living room where it's like people move. I'm like, what's that? Oh, it's nothing. That's just people outside. Don't what's worry that? about oh. it, Masood. <laughs> um, it's just people. It's, so welcome. Uh, I'm Masood. With me as always is the fantastic Suze Kempner. Hi. And the amazing Chris Stokes. Hi. <laughs> so, how are we? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Pretty good. Um, Pretty good. What are we drinking, guys? I made myself a margarita. Drinks. <gasps> it's beautiful. Ooh. How well, The colour of it looks a little, like, tan. <laughs> it looks a little... Is that a margarita um, colour? looks greener. It looks worse than usual, Chris. That's not the Chris, colour it looks I'm like using. rusty piss. <laughs> yeah. No, why is it a little darker? No, it's because, and uh, before you all balk, uh, it yeah. actually works, is I had no I had no agave or simple syrup. Mm-hmm. So I used maple. Piss. Oh, oh, that's nice. Oh, that's quite I nice, think that's actually. really nice. I actually think that's really nice. Used a little bit of maple syrup, which is obviously a darker syrup, so it's made a sort mm-hmm. of like a, yeah, a darker that's yellowy nice. colour, yeah. Yeah. No, oh, very nice. I am annoyed that that has, you know, been taken by um, Borat. A very nice. Like it is. A very nice. <laughs> One of the nicest drinks I've ever had is a jalapeno margarita mm-hmm. that I had at a Mexican restaurant in, uh, in London. And I thought, I'm going to make a jalapeno margarita. But do you know what you need for that? You need jalapenos. Oh, yeah. no. That sucks. Didn't have any. You, you, you should have had part some. Of it. You should have just, Chris, you should have stopped fucking about, got yourself some jalapenos, and then you, you could have had a, why aren't you having a yik, you fucking, because um, I was just thinking, like, the cla- or when I make, when I, when I make them, Chris, and uh, it's very, very different to how you make them, <laughs> God, I sound like a prick, um, I don't use simple syrup, but I'm definitely want to try it with, with maple syrup, because I imagine that's, that's a fucking whole well, other level. Because you are meant to use syrup, aren't you? Um, or aren't you? I mean, it, it it really depends. I mean, this is the thing about I think because I've never I, made one. This is the first margarita I ever made. The more I make cocktails, the less married I am to traditional recipes because mm. it's whatever you fucking want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think Suze has definitely taught me that. <laughs> <laughs> it's tequila, 
orange liqueur and lime juice, right? Yes, those. It's just those three. You can add simple syrup, which and it is the recipe I found called for it, so I used maple okay. instead. Hmm. That sounds nice. It sounds like a nice. Yeah, I think it twist. sounds really nice. Um, I'm afraid I don't have a drink. I mean, I've got. Sue's forgot we were recording this now. I wrote down the recording for October the seventh, uh, yeah. which is uh, a month from now. But I would have been there. Uh, and, was, and Chris was like, oh, don't worry, if you're too busy, we can just do it Monday night. And I was like, I was not busy. I was lying in my bed. <laughs> it's 3 p.m., by the way. Um, uh, the reason I was lying in my bed is I went out last night, came back here with three great mates, great pals. Yeah. And we got drunk on vodka and tonics till five in the morning. Now I say that, we also did a very experimental cocktail mm-hmm. because eventually we ran out of tonic water, but there was still plenty of vodka. So what we did was topped up the vodka with cold water. Oh, yummy. <laughs> <And we laughs> That's like having a baked potato and making the filling like just crisps. <laughs> <laughs> well, we crunched them up. So there's like a, there's a texture differential. In my head, though, you made the whiskey, you made the vodka water and then you... Um, like uh, the next morning, everyone left. You open the fridge, and those Pepsi's were in there. You're like, ah, oh, fuck. We could have, we could it have was, had. It was literally in there. The oh, whole fucking time. hell! <laughs> ah, shit. We could have had. A, we could have had a, vodka Pepsi. And, and me coming upstairs, going, Pepsi, okay. <laughs> what are you drinking, Masood? Pretty this terrible. This is a mojito. It's the weather. Sun's mm. out. It's so we've gone for classics then. Yeah, sun's all out, three of us. Out. Runs out, sun's out, runs out. Oh yeah, Mm-mm-mm. we've gone for classics. All three of us. The vodka water. Vodka water. It's always a classic. The tin of Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've gone. We've gone proper classics. So at this point, we've done Rasputin and we've done Anastasia, the the the, the execution of the Romanovs, which puts mm-hmm. us in there in about 1918. So. Uh, okay. This time, I thought what I'd do is because we're just out of the First World War now. So the Romanovs were executed, obviously during the Russian Revolution, but World War One still had a few months to chug on. Yeah. So at the end of World War One, I, I thought it'd be a really good opportunity to have a look at the Merchant of Death. The Merchant of Death. Oh, okay. Ooh, it's one of Shakespeare's lesser-known plays. Me going on stage. Hey, hello. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. Yeah, the Merchant of Death is uh, a, a guy, man, one man. A guy, man. Yes. Have you ever heard of? Basil Zaharoff. Yeah, I have, but I don't yeah. know why. Or probably because I'm a white woman and I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. But uh, that, yeah. Uh, uh, don't, uh, Susan, I too listen to true crime podcasts, and <laughs> no, I, I think, see a fellow white woman. Yes, now. I think <laughs> I think I'm every every white woman is my spirit animal. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a basic yeah. bitch. That's what I'm saying. It's amazing. I hate the I hate basic as an insult because it basically yeah. just means like. This person likes stuff that's popular. Yeah. Exactly. I love stuff that's popular. That's why it's yeah. popular. Because it's great. <laughs> yeah. 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 What Basil Zaharoff, um, why am I thinking he had something to do with um, uh, like selling weapons and 
The is reason you think that, Suze, is because that's exactly what he did. This oh, is the, it is yes. the it's the pod, it is the podcast I do. He's he's often like I think the podcast was like he's one of the worst men who's ever lived. Yeah, he um, is so. known as the the most evil man that ever lived. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. One of his names is because uh, I think there's probably some people that run him close. Maybe even <laughs> supersede him. <laughs> Um, There's a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah. I could think of a few. I could name them off the back of my hand. I heard a podcast the other day called The Worst Nazi. I was like, wow, wow. what a selection. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah. And he a... does sound pretty bad. He basically masterminded the um, execution of pretty much all the Jews in Poland. That was his thing. And he loved it. And he loved it. See, I think Mengele, if we're going to talk just quickly, mm. Mengele is high up there on The Worst Nazis. Mengele like... is like the like the, a kind of sadist that no one could match. absolutely yeah it's that kind of like whistling on his way to work that i'm like that's jesus it. he's like i can't wait to inject dye into a child's eye <laughs> yeah. anyway, anyway sorry chris you were saying so this, he's he's mm. oft cited as the most evil yeah man okay no mm. i thought we'd pop him here mm-hmm. in the series <laughs> just because just he's got a few years to live uh so this isn't when he died this mm-hmm. point chronologically, like about 1918, 1919. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's also like he'd already been doing quite a lot of stuff before then. No one really okay. knows when or where he was born because he made sure that mystery surrounded him. So, Ooh, uh, because he was up okay. to no good. So, <laughs> it sounds like you're reading this off the back of a DVD. Because <laughs> he was up why. to no good. <laughs> <laughs> He was up to no good. No one knows where he's from. Mystery surrounded this evil guy. Best guess, he was born in 1849 uh, okay. in what was then the Ottoman Empire. Anatolia. Right. right. In part, yeah. part of the Ottoman Empire. He fell into sort of like little nefarious things, like a, he was a brothel tout. I'm uh, pleased to say that I don't find him attractive. Um, oh, no. <laughs> the first on this podcast. We like all manner of psychos, but it seems like he's... <laughs> well, he also, when he was younger, worked for the fire brigade in um, oh, Constantinople. Right. And oh, this is, this, was he Greek? This is in the 1800s. Well, he was born in the uh, part of the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. yeah. And uh, part of what he would do, and it's nebulous as to whether or not he masterminded this plan, right. but the Constantinople fire brigade would set fire to buildings wow. to generate their own work. And, ah. and okay. also... As a kind of like protection racket, I right? See. Like okay. you fuck with us, we'll put your building on fire. We won't put yeah. it out. That's right. Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he eventually became known as the Merchant of Death, and the reason for that is because he became the world's biggest independent arms dealer. Okay. Oh, now right. I, I sort of have a question about his him and kind of a lot of people surrounding that. It's like this is Ottoman Empire time. Is this because of? Like, there's not a lot of records being kept. That's why no one really knows when he was born, kind of like... Or is this because of, like, they burnt a lot of... Because I know they burnt, like, they sacked the Library of Alexandria. Well, this is is interesting. He, uh, in 1927... Yeah. uh, So this is, like, ahead of time from when we're there. And at the point where he's probably about 80 years old. Mm. Okay. He spent two days burning every record he had of himself. (gasps) Wow. Wow. Uh, Two right. days. That's a long fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. time to burn and everything Also, of course this piece of shit lived to like nearly 90. Yeah, my mum says... Uh, I've got a feeling he was like 86 or something. 87 he was. He died, he died in 1936 right. in Monaco. Okay. 
My mum um, kind of oh, in Monaco. So he was re- Comfy wealthy, was he? and rich in his bed. But, my mum would always say, when people die old that are evil, it's like, eh, you think, like, what was it? She'd be like, the good die young, but when, if you're bad, <laughs> you will keep going. You will <laughs> to suffer. <laughs> I'm like, did they though? Do they suffer? Because apparently Hitler's a farmer in fucking Argentina. 110 years old. 110 he really years made old. up for what he did. <laughs> Still farming. Hello! He still has the goal to have Hitler on his little mailbox. Good evening! <laughs> so he lived to be 87 in Monaco. In nine, yes, so, he burnt all his records. Like so we're kind of getting ahead of us. I did toy with the idea of actually waiting until we hit 1930s before mm-hmm. I spoke about him. But I feel like the end of World War One is a really good time to slot yeah. him in. Right. Absolutely. Um, I feel like also, if we're stretching the definition, he counts because not like he is a he generated this air of mystery around him. Gotcha. Um, yeah. But in terms of like choice. burning records, it was always really convenient if anybody ever asked him anything. Because the thing is, is that you don't get to his like he had he had wealth later in life, and he was obviously the world's biggest arm dealer. You don't do that without people knowing um, right. you. So yeah, uh, they when asked questions about his past, conveniently his birth documents were destroyed in a fire or you know do you know what i mean like the, there was never yeah. any trace of him uh, there was always a story as to what had happened as to why there was no trace of him it also um, seems like it's pretty mad because like back then it seems like those were like strange formalities as opposed to like legal binding documents that you need mm. in order to get a job whereas like then it's like oh they burned so everyone's like ah you're yeah. here now so it's fine <laughs> Like there's no like no one's gonna freak out if you don't have a birth certificate. <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah, Whereas so, now it's like um, yeah. yeah, so it's to sort of like try and explain how bad he was. Yeah, he was known as the wickedest man in Europe, and also the most evil man in the world at some points. Um, mm. Kind of like to go back to maybe Rasputin, who we've just covered, mm. who yeah was probably not not a saint, but no. his air of like demonic evil was exaggerated yeah whereas Zaharoff's was probably played down yeah see I feel like Rasputin was just kind of fucking around <laughs> he kind of like got away with it and he's like hey how's it going uh, everybody Rasputin, loves Rasputin like Rasputin basically cared about Rasputin didn't yeah. He? yeah um and actually he wasn't out to court he wasn't like I love destruction I love chaos yeah, he, he was, was like, like I love living a good life yeah, yeah the good stuff wine women like, yeah I want so, to yeah. eat everything and I want mm. to fuck everything yeah. yeah sometimes same time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes interchangeable I fuck food and I eat women <laughs> Um, but like, yeah. Whereas this guy, can we quote it, you on that in the press, Rasputin? Ah, why not? And draw a picture of me like this, and he like <laughs> hangs about over two women. He's like, ah. <laughs> it seems like. Whereas this guy, at least as we're entering into him, it feels like he's a pretty uh-huh. fucking hey, hello. Uh, it feels like he's a pretty <laughs> grim guy. Yeah. Mm. Um, so he is most likely the real life inspiration for Blofeld. Uh, in the oh. James Bond. Oh, oh my God! Okay, I can see. I can immediately see that because yeah. I've got pictures of this guy. Because and, yeah, um, uh, yeah. So Ian Fleming worked in British intelligence. Um, yes. Sort of like I think, not necessarily exclusively in World War Two. Maybe even leading up to World War Two as well. Um, yeah. And will have heard stories and mm-hmm. like known about uh, Zaharoff. Now, this is probably the most damning 
uh, indictment for what an evil piece of shit he was. Mm. Because it's named after him, this practice. Uh, it's called the System Zaharoff. Do you know what that is? Okay, no. no. The System Zaharoff. Yeah. It's basically where an arms dealer sells arms to both sides in a conflict that arms dealer has helped provoke. Fuck! Oh! What? I'm playing. I'm playing both sides. <laughs> so he's he's doing the same firefighter shit where he's starring the fires. And so then he's back when he was younger. Himself. And was Fuck. taking part in this sort of like setting fires while he was in the fire brigade. It's yeah. basically then just blown up on a global scale. So, why are we talking about Zaharov at this point in time? Because there are some that believe he was pulling the strings behind the initial conflict of World War One between Serbia and well, Serbia and who was it? Oh, was it Austria and Serbia? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I think yeah. yeah. It, was, it, it was like yeah. World War One. Like how World War One got started is. The most insane thing, because at the time, in 1914, see if this sounds familiar, they were like, it's going to be impossible to have a global conflict because we live in such a global economy now. Mm. So it just won't happen. And then it went from that to everyone going like, we live in a peaceful world. Two weeks later, thousands and thousands of people were being mown down by then modern weaponry so it makes sense that it took a fortnight for which by the way modern weaponry zaharoff helped make and sell so Jeez. he was a yeah okay so he was literally uh, a mastermind of yeah so let's yeah. Re- let's rewind back to the 19th century he was one of the top probably the top salesman uh, mm-hmm. for vickers which was the british firm that made weapons I thought you were going to say, like, top salesman for, like, fucking, I don't know, Tupperware at the time. Just like, hey! Uh, Holding firearm parties. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, see how you feel. Wow, yeah, that's really good. Sitting around in the living room. (laughs) (laughs) And you tell five friends, and then they tell five friends. He's like the dude in um, Easy Easy Andy in Taxi Driver. He's like, (laughs) he just brings in a bunch of guns, and he's getting Travis Bickle to try them all. He's like, Mm. just hold that in your hand. That's a beautiful little gun. (laughs) He worked for Vickers for about 30 years and he was their general representative abroad. And he seemed to sort of like quite enjoy the reputation of being known as the armaments king because he was making okay. kill, a, like, an, like a literal killing, selling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, killing. Like, and he uh, was like, I bet that was his favourite joke as well. I make a killing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but even then, he, this is the point where he was making a name for himself. He was asked, this, at this point is when people were starting at, like, getting to know him and asking him questions. He'd be like, you asked for his birth certificate. Oh no, but a fire destroyed the church registers. You search yeah. for a document concerning him in the archives of the Vienna War Office and the folder's there, but the documents vanished, and things like that. He was basically leaving no trail. Mm, okay. Fucking hell, fuck. He was working for Vickers, and, but he was helping to sell uh, the Maxim gun, you know, the machine gun. Oh, we okay, covered this. Which yeah, well, we, we didn't yeah. cover it in an episode. We covered it on YouTube, but there is that's that mystery right. about Maxim and the doppelganger. Yeah, right. that's right, yeah. But that selling, that demonstration of the Maxim gun was covered in the press by um, H.G. Wells. Fucking hell. Ah. Everybody's at it. Basil Zaharoff was, not only was he incredibly wealthy, but he also had a lot of influence. Yeah. Um, uh, apparently, he carried a gun since he was seven, seven years old. 
on his person. Right. Fuck it out. The writer, Osbert Sitwell. Good name, great name. Apparently wrote one of the most perceptive descriptions of Zaharoff ever written. And he called him both evil and imposing. And, descri- and this is a direct quote from Sitwell. The beaky face, the hooded eye, the wrinkled neck, the impression of physical power and the capacity to wait. I find that terrifying. <laughs> oh, uh, do you know what I mean? Just like it implies this sort of like malevolent patience that I'm not keen on. Yeah. Uh, he was in yeah. Outlook merely a super croupier. And once I heard him introducing I heard him introducing himself to a millionaire friend of mine with the startling phrase, I am Sir Basil Zaharoff. I have sixteen millions. <laughs> oh, oh fucking hell. Sick. But he so he was a multi, multi, multi millionaire. Yeah, and yeah. like even in even and, and not just not just in then money now. By then like a millionaire yeah. then. He had millions yeah. then. Yeah. Fucking he was hell, like man. Bezos. But instead of running Amazon, he was just like straight up. I'm playing both sides. I'm playing, hey, I'm playing both sides. I'm, I'm killing everybody. It's all good. And yeah. I, don't need, I don't need a dick-shaped rocket to prove myself either. Okay? Um, I bet he'd love to have gone He space. would have loved it, though. The, in my head, though, he's getting played by Toby Jones. I don't know why. I know that's not what he looks like. But Toby Jones is playing him. Toby Jones head. would do a good job. Actually, good who, job. Would I, who would I cast as Zaharoff? In the film of Zaharoff's life, mm. I reckon I'd go for Christoph Waltz. Oh, yeah, that's a bingo. <laughs> that's actually really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Or do we make it a wacky comedy? We cast Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, my name's Zaharoff. In a dual role, he plays Archduke Franz Ferdinand as well. <laughs> And it doesn't have any lines. He's just got a crazy makeup job. Yes, and he's in his he carriage wi- and he goes, he, Yeah, he whites up. He whites up for. <laughs> so he, yeah, he's black as Zaharoff, but he whites up to play Ferdinand. That's fucking ridiculous. Zaharoff's past is sort of like all. Which he's helped create. But you can piece things together. So some people right. have been. So, like, for example, at some point in his late teens, so this would have been. In the 1860s, he left mm-hmm. Turkey to go to Western Europe. Okay. Okay. Uh, and he later in life did admit to having a, a general education in London and Paris, which is vague, okay. but he picked up the language from somewhere. Yeah. So right. uh, by the early 1870s, he was in Britain. So mm-hmm. he was in his 20s at this point. And in 1872, he did marry. He married an Emily Burroughs, who was the daughter of a Bristol builder. Oh. Wow. Was, but was it like. Thatcher era builder, so he's like loads of money. No, it was the eighteen seventies. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> but, but was he a rich builder, or uh, was well, it just some random builder? builder I, I mean, like I, he wasn't that well off at this point either. No, so, he's yeah. just started. Uh, this was because this was before yeah. he, he was young. He was yeah, in yeah. love. So, yeah. but shortly after this, he was arrested in Belgium on charges of embezzling seven thousand pounds. Jesus. Okay. And so he actually became the first subject against his will of a newly signed extradition treaty between Belgium and Britain and, and then he, found, he stood trial at the Old Bailey. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, and he was set free on a promise of good behaviour. I'll be good. It's okay. Hey, no worries. <laughs> I pinky swear. I'll be very good. <laughs> After that, he went to Cyprus, which was still under Turkish rule. Yes. Okay. And he used a lot of aliases. He set up as a storekeeper and an unscrupulous contractor. Hmm. Now, Greek Prime Minister Stephanos Skoulodis, who became Prime Minister in 1915, 
He said that during these years, Zaharoff was first hired as an arms salesman and he became Balkan representative for a small Swedish firm. Whether that's true or not, he eventually found his way back to Britain after Cyprus passed to English control after 1878. Right. And in 1883, he ended up being established in Galway, yeah. but he posed as a count. <laughs> <laughs> he worked as a... Yes. Oh, sounds Let's something like that. Laugh this up, guys, <laughs> because that's... La- la- laugh it up, guys, because that's a title he kept with him. <laughs> he was oh a count. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is that so, how easy it is? He's like, oh, uh, and also, ah, ah, ah. Well, he wanted to be a count, and then he... We'll get to this later on, but eventually his title was recognised. And that is part of a plot of one of the Bond novels, and Blofeld wants to be recognised as a count. Amazing. So That's fucking mad. Anyway... The- that's crazy. He worked I as a shipping agent. And then he was sent death threats because he was persuading local girls to emigrate in search of factory work in Massachusetts. What? Uh, oh. um, so then he was given 24 hours to leave the country. Get <laughs> out, he... you cunt. It's cunt. <laughs> <laughs> he went to the United States. I think States. you're fine. It's cunt. Ah, ah. ah, ah, ah. I see 10 atrocities. Ah. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> appear to have misspelt count on this form. No, no, no. You're supposed to get out. <laughs> get out. Do you reckon then at the end of his life where they recognised his title, they were like... They're <laughs> 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 like, his ultimate prank is such a good prank. Such a good, it's a such a good goof. There's an, such a good they're goof. missing an O. Oh. Uh. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he was given 24 hours to leave Ireland. Mm. He, went to, uh, he went to America himself. And then he started... He started a career in uh, the railroad business because it was booming at that point. Ah, yes. Uh, And then it turns out that apparently there was a Count Zakharov who in Utah in 1884, he claimed to be in possession of four black diamonds that played a celebrated part in the Turco-Russian War. And then a year later caused a small scandal in Missouri by associating with uh, Pearl Clifford, who was a, 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 a sort of like infamous madam. Right. Okay. Um, oh, I bet she's. I bet she's fun. Yeah. And that's while he was working as a superintendent of a local railway sleeping car company. Ooh. It's when you say incident, though. In my head, it's like an incident in the street. Like everybody saw it. She's like, unhand me, and he's like, I'm a, I am being a count. <laughs> Don't you know I'm a count? Get this. He kept going under the title Count Zakharov, and they've established. They, they've reckoned this must be the same bloke. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's a slightly different name, but he was known to use pseudonyms. Apparently, okay. he then promoted himself to Prince Zacharias Basilius Zakharov, and he He's married. Oh, Prince now. Yeah. He married yeah. the New York heiress uh, Jeannie Billings because of the fact that she was worth one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, and then he found himself oh. the subject of a transatlantic police hunt when an expat from Bristol <laughs> denounced him as a bigamist because, remember, he was still married he's still to the married. woman in Bristol. Oh, oh my God. Dad. They're, like, like, they're like, that's bigger me. He's like, yeah, it's bigger you. <laughs> I'm a count. Oh, he, was, he was a real cut <laughs> There's a quote here. And by the way, I recommend sort of like there's an article on Zahara from uh, in the Smithsonian magazine, which mm-hmm. sort of like lays all of this out in a really... Neat, neatly chronological order. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, so uh, the Omaha Daily Bee gives a good summary of what Zaharoff's methods were at this point. So he ma- mm-hmm. this is a direct quote from the Omaha Daily Bee. He maintained a high social position by means of letters from prominent society people which purported to be genuine and had a library full of documents which he claimed were written to him by European dignitaries. He claimed to be a nephew of Prince Gort- uh, Gortshakov and told a remarkable story of his banishment by the Tsar. 
At one time, he created a considerable commotion among the set here in which he moved by threatening to go abroad and fight a duel with a Prussian prince who had dared to insult his mother. So he was flamboyant. Yeah. Mm. And sort of like probably saying things that were like, <laughs> wouldn't lie about that. That's that's, mm-hmm. in, that's insanity. Yeah. Um, right. So it's very much he like did he, the big lie. The yeah. big lie thing. He definitely wrote all of this, right? Yeah. After being outed as a bigamist, he then went back to Greece and the Ottoman Empire. And then during the 1880s, he was involved in promoting because do you remember when when he was in cyprus he was working for a small swedish firm oh yes the small swedish yeah Yeah. Uh, which was run by an inventor called thorsten nordenfeld after going to america after well ireland and then america then he ended up back in greece and the ottoman empire and it was then that he sort of like maybe fallen back into that because he started promoting nordenfeld's two principal inventions and they were and this is probably where he struck gold a multi-barrel machine gun and a steam-powered submarine. A steam-powered oh, wow. submarine. A submarine in the yeah in the in the eighteen eighties. Oh, this is ringing a bell from my white woman podcast that I was listening to. Uh, something that like he managed to create something that meant the submarine. Uh, it was it could fire torpedoes underwater. Something like that. Oh is that right. right? Uh, okay, so the the submarines themselves were. Yeah. Uh, incredibly expensive because obviously they were state of the art and they were mm. pro, but they were useless. They were unstable underwater, and they got so hot that um, the crews would just faint. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, oh god, that, my worst nightmare would be to get this though. On a submarine, it uh, just sounds yeah. awful. Oh, uh, Zaharoff was such a good salesman that he managed to sell six of them, and the uh, I'll get him on the Apprentice, mate. He's a fucking genius. <laughs> the machine gun, that was a viable weapon. But yes, it was less right. modern and less efficient than the than its rival, the Maxim gun. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, wow. So he was an ace marketer, like Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> Great at marketing. He overcame these obstacles too because he managed to sell more of his own Nordenfeld machine guns in Italy and Austria than Maxim did of his. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Okay, so this is now, this is where we get to... And I think maybe we can't gloss over it. So we'll so, we'll talk about it now and then say okay. in the next episode, we'll go into the mystery of the Maxim machine gun. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool, Because cool, cool. Um, Zaharoff met Hiram Maxim and eventually got him into the service of Vickers. Mm. So it was through Maxim that Zaharoff managed to inveigle himself into Vickers. Right. And this is where H.G. Wells comes in. Ah. And H.G. Wells yeah. wrote, a bit, wrote about it. So this yeah. is a direct quote from H.G. Wells. Maxim exhibited his gun at Vienna. When he fired his gun at a target and demonstrated its powers, Zaharoff was just busy explaining to expert observers that the whole thing was an exhibition of skill and that only Maxim could fire the gun and it would actually take years to train all the men to use it. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. Uh, He's like, no, you need good skill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was like, these these new, uh, uh, Maxim's new machines, they were delicate and difficult to make and you couldn't produce them in the quantities that we can of our Nordenfeld one. Wow. Uh, yeah, your, then, your thing doesn't have to be better. You just have to slag off. The exactly. Other. And then yeah. Maxim, uh, and, and this is, again, still H.G. Wells. Maxim, after tracing the initials of the emperor upon a target, prepared to receive orders. No one placed any orders. He learned that the Nordenfeld was simple and strong. This gun of his was a scientific instrument unfit for soldierly hands, and his demonstration went for nothing. Fuck. Mm. This fucking guy, man. He's okay, so what do, you think, what do you think Maxim did? He went and talked to him. He's like, mate, you got to fucking help me sell this thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
got a fucking. He would have paid him on the spot. Be like, look, mate. Well, fuck off those. It's actually kind of genius. It's actually it's actually more than that because of Zaharoff's skill as a salesman or underhand sales tactics or whatever you want to call it. Nordenfeld and Maxim combined to form the Maxim Nordenfeld Company. Oh fuck! So he just went like, right, we're coming together. <laughs> yeah. We're and then after uh, after eighteen ninety seven, that became absorbed another one. It became Vickers Sons and Maxim. Jesus. And, the, and so, that's so wholesome. Yeah. yeah. Vickers Sons. Oh, they sell guns. Right. Yeah, that's not yeah. Ah. good. Like I say, in 1927, he, as an 80-year-old man, or approaching 80, like in his late 70s, burnt all of his diaries and records and stuff. Mm. <laughs> I just like, he's writing them. He's like, I might have to burn these later, mm-hmm. but I'll keep writing them. <laughs> I don't remember this from my white woman podcast, and yet I remember a submarine. <laughs> a French newspaper once offered $5,000 for a single page of his diaries. Oh. Uh, I mean, no one So. Around. Even though he got rid of his diaries, that apparently he chronicled everything in. That's why mm-hmm. he burnt them. Yeah. Uh, you can still sort of like, he still crops up occasionally in the paperwork of Vickers. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which now sits at the Cambridge University Library. And okay. he starts to crop up increasingly at this point in the British Foreign Office archives. Oh, okay. These then show you his increasing wealth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so between 1902 and 1905, he was paid 195,000 pounds in commission, which is worth 25 million dollars today. Jesus. And by 1914, he was active in Istanbul, Athens, St. Petersburg, Buenos Aires. He owned several banks. He lived in a French chateau. Oh my God. Hold on, he owned several banks. Is that yep. a thing that you could just do then? You're just like, I'm having that bank. That's well, you mine. Could, or you could set a bank up. You could. Oh, should we do it? Yeah, let's do it. Mystery on the rocks banking. Right. Hey guys, your money's safe with us uh, because we'll spend it on only good stuff. Yeah, yeah, we'll only margaritas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm speculating to accumulate. We're putting I think it on my the vodka water cocktail's really going to catch on. We're putting it on the company. That's not how it works. You can't just spend <laughs> people's money and put it on the company. No, it's a tax write-off. It'll be fine. I'll be honest with you, Masood. I'm pretty sure that is what banks do. They just put, put it all on the company. <laughs> I'm playing both sides. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, so he just and the bank he started was Santander, the worst <laughs> bank of all of them. Um, I have a what? vision for uh, Monzo. <laughs> Trust me, I'm a count. I'm a count. <laughs> that's that's on the billboard. Him just like smiling and pointing, like I'm a. Trust I thought me, I'm he a said he was an accountant, yeah. not a count. Ah, <laughs> oh, awful business. What I just did. So he basically got super rich and just started like just making himself more rich yeah um but also like again like this his underhand business tactics they didn't go anywhere so uh, foreign office records show that in 1912 he was instrumental in bribing russia's marine ministry uh to divert government contracts to a local shipbuilding group in which vickers had an interest oh fuck it out okay um, so the guy had no morals. He was like just out for making money. That's yeah. why you had the system Zaharoff, where he would sort of yeah. like engineer conflicts yeah, and sell sides. weapons to both sides. Okay. Now, like, uh, like what's his chops out of um, Yojimbo in the the Kurosawa film? Where he oh plays, yeah. He's the he's the bounty hunter that plays both sides and kind of gets them to off each other, and then so he can. Uh, yeah. Interestingly, Yojimbo means literally "Hello, James." Oh, right. Oh, yeah. It doesn't. Yo, what are you on about? Yo, Jimbo. <laughs> hey, well, it might do. Shut it up, do. Chris. You had me. You can't goof us. Yeah. 
just did a goof. Goof truth. Yeah. Um, um, We're the real goof dream. Because uh, I, I saw that film, I was supremely hungover one New Year's Day. And so I was like, should we put this on? I was like, all right then. And I was like, black and white. <laughs> put it on and I was like, this may be the greatest film I've ever seen. It was very good. So he just he just pop in and, and play both sides. That's fucking crazy. Uh, yeah, so um, it's amazing. Uh, at the sa- around about the same time, so this is sort of like just before World War One. Mm. Uh, Vickers mysteriously won a contract to supply light machine guns to the Russian army, despite the fact that its bid was almost fifty percent higher than one submitted by a local arms works. So basically, yeah. So a local arms works would would say to the Russian army, "We could supply your machine guns for you," but obviously, Sahara. Yeah, on on behalf of Vickers went in and said, "Uh, will cost way way more, but you'll take the order." So right, yeah, and they went, "Okay then, cool, we'll do that." Yeah, let's have this guy. He seems all right. He's a count. He seems like a good guy. Uh, I don't. I trust him. I seem to trust him. I like the fact that he's wearing a cape. That's very cool. It's very in. He's um he's already got loads of money, so I doubt he's in this. Just no, he's to in it war. just to be an evil prick. I think this is this is his game now. Because <laughs> yeah, it just seems like he's fucking around now. He doesn't sound like I think he liked making mm. money, obviously, but it's I don't. It doesn't sound like the same drive because like Bezos is obsessed with having the most yeah. money, but that's his yes. main drive. Whereas this guy wants yeah. destruction. Yeah, he wants he, he wants people yeah. to know that he's this. Yeah. He loves that. He loves um, that. Yeah. yeah. There were some papers from the dated around 1917 during the First World War that were classified up until fairly recently. I think it was like a hundred years right. thing. And they became declassified. Yeah. And these papers prove that the British government was in cahoots with Zaharoff. Jesus. Yikes. <laughs> so in 1916... To 1917, somewhere around then. Yeah. He, with the blessing of the British Prime Minister, yeah, who I think was David Lloyd George at the time, uh, who has come up before, by the way, because our vanishing Victor Grayson fella. had yes. uh, proof that yeah. David Lloyd George was selling honours. Mm. He actively, Zaharoff, involved himself in secret negotiations to drag Greece into the war on the Allied side. And also to persuade the Ottoman Empire to defect from the Germans. Whoa, holy shit. Oh. So he had authorization from David Lloyd George and he had 10 million in gold. Fuck, they're paying right. him in gold now? That, that must have come from the British. Fuck you. Fuck me. He traveled to Switzerland in a bid to buy Turkey out of the war. And yeah. this ended up establishing what would eventually become the state of Israel. Wow. Holy oh, shit. shit! This fucking guy. Right, right. Mm. So, are you aware of the Balfour Declaration? I, I mean, I'm aware of it, but like, Sue's write an no. essay. No. The, the Balfour <laughs> Declaration came in November 1917, and it was basically a public pledge by Britain, yeah. declaring its aim to establish a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah. I see. And he was okay. Right. This fucking guy, man. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. January 1918, he... Um, uh, $5 million was to be paid to allow a British submarine to secretly pass through... Steam-powered? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Dardanelles Straits, which is... Uh, that's Turkey. Yeah. So the submarine, British submarine was supposed yeah. to go through there without anyone knowing and torpedo a, a couple of German warships and then go away again. Right. And a further $2 million was to be paid if the Turkish troops in Palestine were withdrawn north uh, north of a certain point. And the British government guaranteed not yeah. to do anything to the Turkish troops during that retreat and right. guaranteed that Palestine would not be annexed by Great Britain or incorporated into the British Empire. Okay. Huh. So. Holy shit. This, so these, and these are mm. all, this is all out, this isn't like some conspiracy, whatever. No, 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 this is yeah. all out in the open now, but it wasn't. Fucking hell. Okay. I mean, this... Uh, yeah, it's this is fucking crazy. <laughs> it's one of those things that you hear about a guy like this, and you go like, "Well, I should just be more brazenly." <laughs> yeah. So he went. Um, <laughs> uh, he went to um, try and persuade Greece to join the war, and for the Ottoman Empire to leave leave the war, basically, because the the Ottoman Empire mm-hmm. had, uh, were fighting with the Germans. Mm-hmm. But mm. when he went to do that he was intercepted at the border because people knew about him at this point and he was strip searched he was left standing in sub-zero temperatures for more than an hour mm. by border police he was 68 mm. years old by this point I'm happy for right. him to do that to him I mean he's a pretty shitty guy <laughs> it's like this is this is fairly paltry in comparison hey counts you're freezing <laughs> after that he was intercepted at the border strip searched left standing in the cold for ages and ages and ages so then he was like mm. I want something for this from the British as compensation. Yeah. Now he had a code name at this point because uh, they called him. No, they called him ZZ. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Disney like fucking name for a mouse from Cinderella. ZZ. Um, <laughs> so ZZ. So okay, Z- Z- obviously his last name twice. Uh, he wrote to the British, demanding sort of compensation for this thing but also because it was a clandestine operation mm-hmm. he wrote it in code mm-hmm. and what he asked for this this is his code for you better you better sort of like come good for me having to do this yeah uh, he uh mm-hmm. he asked for chocolate for zz <laughs> i need oh chocolate for zz <laughs> chocolate for zz please is chocolate and they knew I what see. he meant by that Right, right, right. Uh, George V, who was king at this point, did not Fucking want hell. did not want 
this to happen. But obviously, yeah. King George V wasn't head of government. Right. No chocolate for ZZ. <laughs> no. So um, Lloyd George, remember, who was just selling honours that uh, may have had something to do with the disappearance of our vanishing Victor Grayson. Yeah. From uh, oh, old, uh, old season two. Um, yeah. uh, Lloyd George recommended the Knight Grand Cross to Zaharoff. And that enabled him to style himself for the rest of his life Sir Basil. Fucking hell. So he just he was like, yeah, fine, give it to him, make him a sir. It's all good. Uh, fiscal experts have estimated how much money World War One made Basil Zaharoff. Oh, oh this God, is going to be one of those so things that's going to make me sick. Mm. <laughs> Do you want to have a guess? How um, much? Oh, a, a, a bajillion is it, is it dollars. In, I know, it, like, it's going to be It's in now money, isn't? right? Not then money? Or now? No, I think, it, I think it's in then money. Oh, and then money, he probably made... Then money, I think he made right, a billion here, pounds in then money. <laughs> that's, that was, that's... No, I don't think... No, that's be dead on. That. Oh, really? He made what? one... He, he, he made, made $1.2 billion. Dollars. Fuck. What from, the fuck? I'm going to find out what From the Great War alone. Uh, he owned... Shit. Oh, my God. He owned Monte Carlo. What? He just owned it. He, yeah, that's, he was... Like, he so just, Monte Carlo was, like, was, a, a, was like a, a casino resort. Yeah, he uh, he he was he was one of the owners of Monte Carlo. What the fuck? And that's where he died. Oh, you're kidding oh me! Oh my god! And he was so happy, and he owned it, and he was like, "I am dead and now, old." And his like, will this place. at the time of his death. This is in 1936, so we're getting ahead of ourselves. His will was yeah. proved to be 193,103 pounds, which is less than a million dollars at the time. Yeah. So, where did that money right. go? Was it hidden? Yeah. Did he spend it? I think or, he. Is it out there to be found? What, like he, oh he turned God. it into gold I mean, and just buried it somewhere? Like some sort of crazy mm. count? I mean... Like a fucking <laughs> dragon. Like a weird old <laughs> vampire? Like, I must hide oh my, my gold. Oh my God. <laughs> we must go and bury it in this volcano. Like a fucking it's, dragon. Like a fucking dragon, yes. <laughs> they will call me Zavarov the Dragon. <laughs> so yeah, he was... Um, uh, he burnt all of, his, all of his own personal documents in 1927, roughly... 10 years before he died yeah and see he knew he was a piece of shit though this oh, is what's crazy yeah. and also like, like he had he had he would have had things on um world leaders and i mean oh, like yeah, yeah, in, yeah. enough that he was selling the, to both sides of a conflict and then mm. not doing yeah. anything to stop that conflict or at worst egging like, it on like so, one thing that d- drug dealers do big drugs do is they have these huge ledgers of all well, of their fucking accounts and stuff it feels like he was like he did the yeah. smart thing that every one of them should do before a trial it's like just fucking burn it just <laughs> burn it then they have no evidence and he's so, like yeah you know okay. um, oh my God. Uh, that uh, that stuff about him going uh, to buy uh, Greece into the war and yes the Ottoman Empire out of the war did he just buy um, Greece if you go if you go to um the National Archives web- website. Yeah. There are little sort of like scans of the actual documents, handwritten documents. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, he, in 1915, in November 1915, you've got this here, Zaharoff, he wrote to his friend and the director of Vickers, who was called Sir Vincent Kayard. And mm-hmm. he, and the le- the, this note says, I'm reading it, if I had in hand the £1,200,000 I've given to Greece during the last nine years, and if I were to add £300,000 to it, I could make Greece join the Allies and start fighting the Bulgars within 20 days. 
Fuck me. Oh He's like, all that is needed is to buy away. the Germanophile papers, 45 deputies and on Frontier Commander. I don't know what that means, but... You just buy people off, yeah. It's clear that he was like going to bribe whoever it took to do this, and he was going to use the rest of the money to persuade the Greek government to declare war. Jesus Christ. Okay? that I'm looking at it here. Yeah. It's, it's all handwritten there. That's yeah. the yeah. offer. And then Kayard showed that letter to Lord de Bernon, who's quite influential. He mm. didn't shy away from that. He just he took it to the government. And then a few days later, Kayard wrote back yeah. to, to Zav, and I'm reading this as well. He wrote back to Zav saying that key figures, including uh, the Prime Minister, who David Lloyd George hadn't yet become Prime Minister. It was Asquith at the time. Yeah. They were keen on the idea, uh, but they were concerned about his plan to provoke a crisis on the Greco-Bulgarian frontier. Right. But that they weren't concerned on any moral basis. They did, just didn't want to face the risk that it might be traced back to them. Fuck. Oh. These uh, fucking... So then, oh, wow. regarding the underhand funding of pro-British factions within Greek politics, the British government had no such, such qualms. And Asquith wrote to Kayar to say that I've talked this matter, and this is it, this, this letter is here, handwritten from him. Uh, this is from Asquith, who was the Prime Minister at the time, just before David Lloyd George. Asquith wrote to Kayar to say, I have talked this matter over with the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Please let your friend go straight ahead. The sum named by him will be found by the government. Fuck, what? So he named it's his price and the British government just paid like, him. They're just like, yeah, let's just pay him. Just give it, the, yeah, we'll find the money. Just ta- tax, I don't know, tax those idiots there. What, the ones who are working, yeah, tax them. Fuck them. <laughs> This is I fucking just, insane. It, yeah, it's unbelievable. It makes you wonder. <laughs> and the only reason... Like, there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to do this as part of this series. First of all, I think the story of Basil Zaharoff is quite a good one. It's fucking, fucking insane. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Second of all, I think he qualifies because he kind of, like, tried to generate a mystery around him. Yeah. His favourite thing ever would be, like, a podcast or something. Uh, about and, me. <laughs> an yeah. about and him, third of all... About the mysteries of him. And it's probably no one... Like, it probably is only for my benefit rather than anybody else's, is is that it ties back to the Victor Grayson episode in such a way that I think it might solve yeah. it. Because if you remember, oh. Victor Grayson vanished. Yeah. And he had this sort of, like, claims of uh, corruption about selling honours. Yeah. But what if it was specifically yeah. about Zaharoff? And they just, they made because him Because this, this happened. They gave him, they gave him the, 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 the honour yeah. That he then subsequently called himself mm-hmm. Sir Basil Sir. afterwards anyway. Um, yeah. But they, g- right. they gave him that honour. What was it called? The, the Knight Grand Cross. Yeah. Lloyd George gave Basil Zaharoff the Knight Grand Cross. That's kind of what Victor Grayson was getting at, wasn't it? He was sort of like, he's giving, him, mm-hmm. giving, giving away these honours. What if it was to... Cash yeah, yeah. And cash like, yeah. But, but if it was yeah. to a, a legitimate supervillain. Yeah, a prominent arms dealer... Fuck me. Yeah. That's a good reason to shut Victor Grayson up, isn't it? Yeah. No one's going to miss it yeah. and no one's going to tie him together because they're like, fucking, you know, this, this documentation doesn't come out until right now or recently anyway. Mm. Fucking mm-hmm. hell. It's not as mad. It's mad. P.S. Uh, uh, a, a billion, one point, was it? 1. It was 1. 1.2 billion, billion dollars. Uh, one point two billion dollars is uh, less than I thought. It's about twenty five billion Still a lot. today, um, but that's made in the four years of that war. So actually, I'm trying the, to. Work. I don't know how what his wealth was. Maybe it was only in today's money. Because were there such a thing as billionaires back then? Did anybody have the actual? 
Probably, probably not. not. But I mean, so maybe it was maybe, maybe so it was one point two billion dollars in today's money and not. Um, I'm oh God. I don't know. Uh, let me see. When did I'll just type in when did the because the idea of a billionaire that's a fairly new thing. Surely, I feel like that's um. What are the the. Although I think Bill Gates has been a billionaire. I mean, I'm yeah. going back to the 90s, but I feel like he... 1916. The, yeah, I was going to say the Rockefellers were billionaires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. They were like the first billionaires. Yeah. So it's Oil not money, outside the realms of possibility that 20 years later he could have had a billion. It's. I think it's pretty... Yeah, easily. Oh, yeah, I, but I'm this sure. is... You know, he didn't... He, it's not like he looked at his bank account and he's like, ah, 1.2 billion. There we go. Like it was over that time. Reading it again, it's... What he—it's not what he made in total; it's what he made from World War One. So is that his turnover or his profit? If he's—if he's claiming <laughs> yeah. it back, yeah, let's that's see. Four years. <laughs> what's 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 a? It's certainly—is it net or gross? It's fucking oh, it's gross. Fucking that's gross. Yeah. Tell, I'm telling you, that's gross, mate. That's disgusting. <laughs> I remember—I remember being at um, school. I think it was year six. Mm. So I'd have been about ten, and our teacher was talking about the lottery and what it meant to win that much money to then he was like teaching us about how you get interest right. on money and he was going so if you win 10 million pounds look this is what you would earn in interest just by having that sat in your bank so that's how much and, and he was showing like you then would have an extra 100 grand at the end of one year and I remember sitting there going like oh that's too much money. I never want... That's too yeah. much. It's scary. I don't ever want that much money. And I still feel a little bit like that. I'm like, yeah. that's crazy. Too much money is too much money. This People like that have the opposite feeling. Like, it never will be never money. be enough money. And I can't get my head around it. And I think there is something slightly evil about wanting to own that yeah. much money. Because it stops ridiculous. being about the money, doesn't it? It starts being about the status of, mm. like, I, I'm this person that can just... Because, yeah. like, the money is irrelevant yeah. almost because you can't ever spend it. You can't oh, ever do yeah. anything with it. No, it, it gets to the point where you've got more money than you could ever spend. Like, this guy bought Yeah, he, bu- he bought a casino town. He didn't go out to the middle of fucking mm. nowhere and build it out of nothing or go to a fucking swamp and build it. Yeah, he- yeah. He didn't buy one of those crazy islands. He bought the casino, the Monte Carlo mm. casino. Fuck me. And then he turned it mm. around so that it started making a profit again. So he was raking that in. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, see, this is it. He would have died with that little money in his will. But his his fucking, like, legacy of money would have been elsewhere. It would have been deep, um, deep into some, like, the casino and stuff. He influenced Clemenceau, who was the Prime Minister of France from uh, 1906 to 1909, and then again from 1917 to 1920. He influenced the French Prime Minister to ensure that the Treaty of Versailles included protection of Monaco's rights as established oh, in 1641. Fuck. So... Influence men like he just won every time he went to play fucking uh, roulette um, at the casino. He, uh, uh, this is quite interesting. He became involved in two more significant financial ventures in October 1920. So roughly the time we're sort of in in the series. Yeah. He became involved in the incorporation of a company that was to become BP. Whoa, holy shit. Oh. And another one called Amazon.com. What? <laughs> he foresaw a great future in the oil business. Now. Wow. Uh, I mean, but yeah, but Rockefeller yeah. was, they were was oil, money, oil they? wasn't it? And that's, that's, that's a, th- yeah. So there must have been, there were a lot of like, oil, there's gold. What colored, what colored gold is it? 
<laughs> yeah, what did you say? What did you call me? What did you call me? Back, did you call Black me? Back? Gold. Oh, uh, yes. oh, that's quite good, actually. Thanks. That's quite good, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, oh, for sure. Sometimes racism is a compliment. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, like, it was definitely... Because this was well before... Like, in the 60s, they started doing a lot of stuff in the Middle East and stuff where there were, like, a lot of companies going over there and things yes. like that. So, like, this is well mm. before all of that, but this is still when there were plenty of oil reserves in the West where, yeah, you could... At least that's what I... The impression I'm getting is that there was a lot of... Mm-hmm. There was enough in the West that we didn't even have to go out, you know? Yeah. Um, that's fucking mad. He was really good friends, apparently. This is just a little nugget of extra Zaharoff goodness um he was he was really good friends with sarah bernhardt the uh the french state actress so king of comedy he loved to be around (laughs) 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 she he obviously liked to be around celebrity yeah well it was he was very much sort of like that's why he sort of like i think fleming Mm. hit upon him as like the uh the archetype for this kind of like flamboyant supervillain yeah. but also people don't really like because i blofeld's a really interesting character because he's um an independent he doesn't work for a nation so like yeah. uh, mm. back when like a lot of espionage fiction was cold war based and it was east and west and yeah, yeah the brits versus the soviets and all of that blofeld was like yeah. he was just a businessman who was operating independently and that was quite unheard of at the time but you yeah. can see why then mm. It's quite inspirational as a character because that's yeah. exactly what Zaharoff was doing. Oh yeah, this guy had no loyalty to, anyone. Yeah. Uh, to uh, but had sway that. over nations. That's really wacky. Like, yeah, yeah, that's it's fucking nuts. crazy. It's nuts. Oh god, he must have loved it. He was probably the happiest. Yeah, I, I think that most evil billionaires are. That isn't it? They're Do you like, know what, Suze? I think if there was a film about yeah. him, we should call it the happiest billionaire. The happiest billionaire. The happiest billionaire. That's uh, the Eddie yeah. Murphy one. In my head, though, now. <laughs> It's got an yeah. animated credit Oh, sequence. yes. <laughs> and the music is kind of a little bit Bernard Herrmann. It's like... Bah, 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 bah. It's kind of like... Do you know why I that thought that? edgy jazz sound. The Happiest Billionaire is the same as like The Happiest Cat, which is the original itchy cartoon, scratchy cartoon, isn't oh, it? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> That's where that image came from. That kind of 1920s <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Steamboat Willie-esque. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently... Um, uh, <laughs> Sarah Bernhardt's uh, husband was Greek. Maybe that's how they Oh, they met. knew each other. Uh, called Jacques de Marla. Now, de Marla had a mistress who gave birth to an illegitimate daughter by de Marla while he was married to Sarah Bernhardt. Mm-hmm. The mistress left the baby and a note in a basket on Sarah Bernhardt's doorstep. Mm. Oh. Oh God, so the baby so was then given to Zaharoff, <gasps> who found a family to raise her in uh, Ad- Ad- Adrianapoli, which grew. is... Um, or was a okay. city in Turkey? All the names changed, didn't they? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Were you about to say that that baby? And that bet? Are we gonna? Who did it grow up to be? Sandra oh, Bernhardt. <laughs> Sandra Bernhardt. <laughs> Name her after me. Sort of. Well, it was bo- born in eighteen eighty nine, so I think it grew up to be Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. wicked! Wicked. <laughs> Grew up to be a, a famous. A, yeah, farmer. very, very famous. Great tomatoes. Argentine Great tomatoes. It's interesting, Great isn't it? Because when did tomatoes. when did uh, it was 1933, wasn't it? He became quite prominent. Yeah. He, yeah. So that meant yeah he would have been in power while Zaharoff was still alive. 
for three more years. Whoa. But if Zahara had had any influence still, imagine what would have happened. Like that's fucking crazy. I, what, that yeah, that is that has just sent a shudder yeah, that's pretty through fucked. me. Because uh, Zaharoff would have still been quite buddy yeah, with Churchill as well, it. and Zaharoff could have really, mm. like, what if then that could have been? We never might have declared war. Can you imagine? And I know I, Chamberlain I wonder, was, pre- was like, uh, prime minister at the time, yeah. But like, if um, Zaharoff had the influence over the British government that he had had, and also had Hitler's mm. ear as well, that would would Britain and Germany ever have gone to war? Well, there's money to be Jesus. made, though, isn't there? That's ah, the yeah, but 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 also, is there that there is money to be made? But wouldn't somebody else have also? Would we have been fighting on the side of Germany against somebody oh, else further I down the line see. and that sort of thing? You know, so it's like Europe it, versus it doesn't the bear, US or something. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't bear thinking yeah. about. It's pretty terrifying. It like yeah, as as insane. Oh my god, this guy's a fucking trip, man. Yeah, he this, is. This is fucking crazy. Like a proper, just nestled right in the fucking middle well, of all the, of this crazy shit. Yeah. So the thing about it as well is, don't you think that? Because obviously, a lot of conspiracy theories are bullshit. Yes. But here you've got a bloke who was able to influence governments. <laughs> mm. It's so. It's so. The thing about yes. that is that, like, that. Like it feels unlikely, but was true. I sort of only feel like there's only one real conspiracy, and that's like people like money, and people who like money like to hang on to it because it gives them power, or at least the perception Mm. of it, and that's it. That's the only real conspiracy is that like if there's money to be made, people will find a way to make that money, right? And that's kind of it. Like all the other stuff of like, oh, but they're doing it because like, oh well, they're I don't know, like I don't know, like. I mean, pick one. Weather machines, fucking Nazis in the center of the earth, whatever you want. All yes. of it seems to... Yeah. Hollow moon. Hollow moon. But there's no... It's, it would cost <laughs> too much money to do any of that stuff. So why would you do it? There's no reason to fucking yes. hollow out the moon and put Nazis up there. Because it costs too much money. So uh, fuck that. <laughs> like, so, yeah, and so it's yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or, or even the, moon, the faked moon landing. It's like, why would you... Why, it would just, just send them up there. It's way cheaper to do that than it is to fucking fake it. Yeah, yeah, than to shut everyone up who was involved. That's with the other thing as well. Them. Is like the amount of people you'd have to shut up to make sure that no one says anything. It's too. What's it? I always say to somebody. Somebody said to me, they're like, you know, when you read in the newspaper that somebody has an affair, and you're like, that's a conspiracy of two people. The people who fucked. Those are the mm-hmm. only people who should know that the affair happened. Mm. How the hell does everyone else know mm-hmm. about that? Right. If that happens, are you telling me that a governmental body, which is an office full of morons, because that's what every office is, Mm -hmm. is able to like pay off enough people? We this country would be broke. (laughs) There'd be no. There's no way. This this country is broke. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you've looked outside, Masood, but uh, this country is fucked. He had a, he had a moustache to twirl as well, so he could have. Oh, he fucking did. Yeah. He did wear a cape, didn't he? I bet he wore a fucking. He, d- he cape. did wear a cape. Yeah, please yeah, Google it because Sue it. said that she wouldn't shag him, but it, the jury's out on you. So how are we how are we spelling that? Okay, so it's Basil, obviously Basil, Basil, Basil. and then yeah. Zaharoff is Z A H A R O F. Ah, 
Basil Saharoff. Here we go. Let's see. Let's see what. Let's see what Masood has to say about Basil Saharoff. Oh, yeah. Masood's like, oh, well, actually, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's something about he's. No, you you're doing no, it just no. What, what's it called? You, you sound like you sound like. Are we looking at chocolate for Zed's this? <laughs> I'm the chocolate oh, no. for Zed. Said, no. That's fucking Oh brilliant. my god. All these years later, we found out what he actually meant. That's horrendous. No. This is why Eddie Murphy's not playing. He was really into, and no one knew this, young black men. He really loved them. He chocolate for so yeah. I can dream. I can dream, Suze. Don't take that from me. He loved young guys. Like I'm tempted young to call guys. this episode Chocolate for Zed. Zed. <laughs> He looks amazing. kind of like a, a, he's got a Freud, old mm. Freud thing to him, which I quite, yeah, I quite he does enjoy actually, he? Yeah. in a weird Germanic. Masood, uh, you don't want to have sex with this old. Would you fuck man old Basil Zahara? <laughs> <laughs> get you, get on iTunes, leave us a review, one star or five would stars. You, we, would you have bang Zahara? <laughs> old Zahara. <laughs> We're going to be doing a Twitter poll on whether people would. <laughs> Can't believe I'm chocolate for Zed Zed. Yes, I like it very much. Yum yum. Chocolate for Zed Zed. <laughs> <laughs> he just pushes Masood into the room and he starts going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please leave wrapper on. I want to take and it Masood's off. Like, <laughs> chocolate for Zed Zed. <laughs> Like, just my luck the only old evil guy that i don't find attractive and then and then masood goes oh. yeah, lots of money i'll be treated oh. very well you just see me like but dressed up as like a 1920s floozy with the hat and like the little the little like, netting over it just... we see you you're in like a fine carriage eating like turkish delight or something just like i don't know what they i don't know what the fine delicacies were like, hey, in the hey, 1920s but, oh yeah. hi you two I'm off to the... And the suit's got a, like a, a, like a yeah. fluty accent. He's like, I'm off to the theatre now. <laughs> like when Barney Gumble, when Barney dresses up as Marge and he goes um, in, uh, in um, Simpsons, dresses up as Marge, he goes, oh, I'm off to Barkett. <laughs> and falls down the stairs. I've sat there in the theatre with those little with the binoculars on a stick. You're like, Ooh. And then and he, he goes like and he just suddenly sees Mike oh, no. Chris's face it's really big what? and he goes what and we're just standing right we know what you're up to Masood what why me and Masood going oh Masood goes shush on <laughs> both sides like you know what I'm gonna tell her <laughs> Also in this fantasy, I'm I'm I've got like the the lead powdered makeup with a little beauty spot that I've put on. <laughs> He's got all the it's ears. Like centuries really out of date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Masood, why are you doing this? Th- that isn't the correct era. It's, it's not the correct country. <laughs> oh, well, if you wouldn't mind, I'd be right to watch the theatre. He gets really <laughs> angry about it as well. He's like, don't you t- listen, guys? Don't you tell me how to drag race? All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Oh, this has to be in the show. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, ZZ's coming back. Hide. And then and he's like, ooh, we're like, ooh, he calls him ZZ. And then he just sits down next to you and puts a oh. proprietary arm around you. And you <laughs> snuggle in. <laughs> oh, ZZ. Why can't we be like this forever? 
<laughs> what are we doing? And what are we doing? <laughs> but both of you are hid very poorly underneath our chairs. <laughs> we like, hmm. and then and then later on, we like we're like, right, let's confront him at his fine dwelling, and we go and knock on the door of the mansion that you're in, and you come to the door, and we're like, oh, Masood's in a robe. Have you? I was, been... Oh no, I was I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, it's still got I was gonna say, um, a night a night dress, <laughs> like a flowing night dress. <laughs> It's yeah, but not like a sexy <laughs> like a, one. Like a, just a weird long <laughs> cotton nightie. Yeah, like a like a yeah. like a mum would have. And we go, Masood, have you been kissing Z Z? And Masood no. goes, No. And then Z Z comes to the door. He's got no makeup. <laughs> who is it? Who is it, chocolate? <laughs> who is it? Who is it? <laughs> who is it, chocolate? Nobody said Z Z. Go back to bed. Gotta go. Okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> I'm playing both sides. <laughs> this is the most this horrible is... scenario we've ever done. Well, to be honest, actually, really I think I've, uh, uh, I think my, my, my faith in this series has uh, has been rekindled. <laughs> <laughs> Since we've like we were like going, ha ha, it will be a wacky movie starring Eddie Murphy, and then we've like, no. But it will be a provided. Yeah, yeah. Sometime. I think, I think, I think my faith in this series is restored. <laughs> provided that, like Almonds and Champagne with the Hollywood series, our running joke this time mm. is Masood as a femme fatale. Oh, and <laughs> in every single one, <laughs> absolutely. I, as long as in the next photo shoot I can drape myself across a piano, <laughs> then I'm. <laughs> I will I'm, I'm, I'm into it. One hundred percent. I have access to Fantastic. a piano. Uh, we're Let's gonna do, do it. this. Absolutely, I'll <laughs> shave my legs. <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh, Masood, wouldn't it be funny? Do you want to borrow one of my sequin dresses? Shows up in one. Like, no need. Shows up with a rack of them. Like, guys, which one? Zed Zed loves me in this. Like, why are you saying it like it's real, Masood? Chocolate, chocolate. Zed Zed <laughs> loves his chocolate in this rack. I'm hungry. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> driving him to make more money was like his love for Masood. He just wanted to buy Masood he nice things. So nice much. things. Yeah. <laughs> and Masood's like, I'm, Masood's like, he, he goes, uh, chocolate, would you come and live with me forever? And he's like, depends how much money you got. I'm a bit of a close horse. <laughs> how about this one? I'm not some cheap floozy you can just buy off. <laughs> <laughs> you can't pound me off with an 80 grand necklace. You slap him. One night Masood is like, I'm not, I'm not in the mood, ZZ. I sent the world to war! <laughs> I sent the world to war and for my Masood's chocolate! Like, um, <laughs> and Masood goes, say it again. <laughs> I engineered worldwide conflict! For my chocolate! What? What are we doing? I did it for my chocolate! <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. If we get fucking cancelled for this mo- great movie that we've created, oh, I'll be furious. I'll be like, of all the things I've said, it's this. I mean, we've said it too much now that if we were to cut out chocolate for ZZ, the episode would be too short. It would be. <laughs> oh my so I'm God. sorry, guys. Time oh, constraints me. So we've got to keep funny. chocolate for ZZ in. It's got to stay. It's got to stay. It's got to stay. 
Oh my goodness. Oh, what an episode. Well, there it is. You have it, guys. Wow. Chop for ZZ. <laughs> the most evil yeah. man who ever lived. The, the Merchant the of Death. The Merchant ever made. of Death. Oh my goodness. So all that's left uh, is, I guess, this song from the movie Chocolate for ZZ. <laughs> songs are back. <laughs> yeah, songs are back. Oh all because God. of our imaginations oh. and what really happened. Zagarov, Zagarov, when war comes, you love it. Zagarov, Zagarov, submarines that fire rockets. Oh, bells on a million dollars in your pocket. Ooh, Zagarov, hungry for chocolate. Oh, bells on, what's it all for? Why do you love war? Basil Zagarov, it's not even funny. Is it your only vice, that thing they call money? Oh, Basil Zagarov, got the ear of world leaders. On the battlefield, you cause millions of bleeders. Hitler nearly was your biggest cheerleader. Your favorite thing is money, right? Or did you mislead us? Zagarov, Zagarov, what do you need? Zagarov, Zagarov, you make my heart bleed. Ooh, Basil, Basil, you need a treat. What makes this chocolate so goddamn sweet? Ooh, something going on in your evil head. head. I see that you've retired to bed, bed. Ooh, Zagarov, Zagarov, so many dead, dead. And all you want is chocolate for ZZ. Uh. What a track. Wow. What a a treat for the ears and brain. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Well, you can find us in all the usual places on uh, Instagram. IMDb. IMDb. uh, Chocolate for ZZ starring Masoud Malas. Friends um, United. Um, I'm on the Doctor Who forums a lot on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I'm skulking Reddit. Um, uh, Yeah, in all the usual places on Twitter and Instagram. I used to be on a Chris Moyles fan forum. Oh, really? Wow. Were you? Yeah, yeah, I'd like laugh about the Radio One show on a fan forums, Chris Moyles. It's unofficial. Yeah, I I doubt he would. I think I'd get on really well with Comedy Dave, actually. But like I'm saying that like when I was 13, yeah. I was in my uh, mid 20s. Oh, oh, oh dear. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What oh is dear. wrong with me? It's pre-Twitter. It's probably like 2000, 2005. No, so I was 20. I wasn't on there very long. <laughs> cut all that. Leave chocolate for Z Z. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. 
Yes, we've got a Patreon. All of the stuff that we can't put in the episode. And you're like, you can't put that? <laughs> mm, please That's go there. Exactly it helps us it. keep the lights on in this pub. Thanks so much for for uh, for everything, for listening and all that <laughs> Chocolate for Zed Zed. <laughs> Zed Zed. Zed Zed. I want, want, want my chocolate. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. Oh, I, uh, we're going to say bye now, everybody. Bye bye, everybody. Give me my chocolate. It's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.